Well, we're in a little series on the Lord's Prayer. Um, so if you want, we have that text printed in your bulletin. We're going to be reading that text first, and we'll hit some of these others as I work through the message this morning. But we're going to be looking, first of all, at Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. This is God's Word. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray for us. Um, Father, thank you for giving us this prayer which is uh, meant to guide us and teach us in the way that we should pray. Uh, I pray for your help uh, as I teach on what it means to to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I pray that you'd help me to teach clearly and and help us to listen, and that you might, uh, oh Father, change even our prayers uh, as we think about this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, George Mueller. How many people have heard the name George Mueller? Uh, okay, a few. Not, not to be confused with Ferris Bueller, uh, maybe connected somehow. But George Mueller was a man who lived during the 1800s uh, who became a Christian. And after he beca- became a Christian, he began to establish orphanages throughout England in order to, to care for our orphans. And one of the reasons he did this was that he had a heart for young people. He had a heart for children. But another reason that he took on this work was that he wanted to show people that God really does answer prayer. And if you've ever read George Mueller's autobiography, you'll probably have this experience of um, a little bit of unbelief at times where you read this and you're like, there's no way. Really? Did that really happen? Uh, There's times you read it and you feel really convicted. Like, man, I wish... I prayed like this guy prayed and trust God like this guy trusts God. And there's times, I think, though, that you'll be encouraged also to think, man, God, our God is a God who really does answer prayer and provide for his people. There are many stories uh, of answered prayers in the book. One of them, one of the more famous ones, uh, one morning at the orphanage, they didn't have enough milk for breakfast. And so he instructed the children to go into the, the, the dining hall And they bowed their heads and they prayed and they thanked God for what He would provide for them. And as they were praying, there was a knock at the door and they went to the door and the guy guy who delivers the milk wasn't even coming to the orphanage, was going by and his cart had broken down. And he said, you guys can have this milk. It's going to spoil before I can get anybody out here to fix the cart. And so George Mueller knew, often in this kind of supernatural way, what it means for God to answer prayer and and what it means to really trust God uh, for your daily bread. And so that's what we're going to think about this morning. What what are we praying when we pray, give us this day our daily bread? It's like one of those snippets of the Lord's Prayer that we just kind of blow through. But, But what do we really mean when we pray that? Why should we pray it? And what sort of expectations should we have as we pray this? What should we look for God to do as we pray, give us this day our daily bread? So so first of all, what does this mean? When we pray, give us today our daily bread, what are we praying? When we pray this, we're asking God simply to provide for our daily needs. 
Uh, In particular, we're asking God to provide for our physical needs. Uh, You see an example of this type of prayer in in 3 John, which doesn't get quoted a lot, so good for 3 John this morning. But in, in, in 3 John, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as our soul is getting along well. And so to pray for our daily bread is to pray for the things that we need. It's very simple. Uh, a job, a cheaper place to live, an internship, uh, health concerns, a husband or a wife, food and clothing, uh, rain, uh, peace in the world. We're, we're physical beings. We have physical needs. And so we bring these needs before our Father when we pray, give us today our daily bread. Uh, when I was the campus minister with RUF at App State, uh, one of our students, Tim Barton, he and his wife got married while they were in school. Tim and Carrie Ann got married uh, while they were students at App State. Uh, and if any of you have done that or have known people who have done that, who got married in undergrad, you're very poor. All right, That's just kind of the nature of the case if, if you go that route. Well, not only did they do that, they went on to seminary immediately after undergraduate, and so they continued to be poor. Uh, But one of the ways God was providing for them is that Tim's dad, or his his mom and dad, were buying his books for him for seminary. He had told him, though, I'm not sure how long we can do this, so y'all might want to have a a plan B. And so Tim and Karen had kind of been praying about that, and then one day... His dad called and said, it's about that time. You know, I might be able to do this one or two more times, but then you're on your own for this. We can't help anymore. And so Tim walked out to the mailbox. He was thinking, you know, how's, how's, how are we going to pay for books? He opened the mailbox, and in the mailbox was a letter with a check in it from somebody in his church. And, and the letter said, we want to pay for your books for the rest of your seminary time. And so they had been praying for this and hoping for this and then they didn't know how it was going to happen but God provided for them their daily bread so that's simply what this is we're praying for God that he would provide us our daily needs but notice the word I'm using there daily needs uh, the, the shorter catechism which I, I, I used at the end of my prayer a minute ago uh, talks says that we're praying when we pray this for a competent portion, a competent portion of the good things of this life. Uh, Proverbs, did I put this in here? Yeah, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, which is printed in your bulletin. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the, the writer of Proverbs knows his own heart, and he knows that if he's faced with poverty, the temptation for him is going to be to go and distill to provide for his daily needs. But he also knows that if he's blessed with riches, that the temptation he's going to face is to trust in those riches and to forget about God. And so he simply prays, I, I don't want either of the two extremes, Lord, but, but simply give me my daily bread. So what are we praying? We're praying for our daily physical needs as human beings. But why do we pray this? Why do we pray? Why does Jesus want us to pray this? Let me suggest four things here why we need to pray this. Uh, For one thing, praying for our daily bread 
reminds us, helps us to remember that God actually cares about our physical needs. That God cares about our physical needs. It's not unspiritual or less spiritual to pray for our physical needs. God's concerned about these needs. We don't need to try to be more spiritual than the Bible is. And so we pray for our physical needs. One of my seminary professors tells a story of he was gone fishing with somebody in his congregation and and he was having a hard time. He didn't have enough money right then and he felt kind of guilty about praying for something like money. Uh, and, and there was an old farmer he was with and he, and he told the farmer this and the farmer said, he looked at him and he said, yeah, but you ain't got no other way to get it. So, you know, and what he was saying was like, don't be ashamed. I know it feels awkward, but, but this is the means God has given you. So, so pray for your daily bread. Uh, secondly, we ask for our daily bread because it honors God. It honors God. It's a verbal expression of our dependence on Him. Yes, you're the one who provides. This is not all about me. You're the one who provides. So it's a verbal expression of that. Thirdly, it helps us to remember that we're dependent on God. All right, y'all think about this for a minute. How many grocery stores do you think we have in Spartanburg? There's a lot. I don't know how many there are. There are a lot. And we usually have an east side and a west side version and, and often a Bowling Springs version. Like we've got an east side and a west side Aldi and an east side and a west side Publix and an east side and a west side Bilo. And I've got an east side and a west side Lidl. And a lot of those are in Bowling Springs also. And then we've got um, Fresh Market. And, and some of us are upset that we have to drive all the way to Greenville for Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, right? And like, there's, like, that's 30 minutes away. What in the world, God? Pray one, bring one here. Um, and then we've got a CVS and a Rite Aid and a, and a Walgreens on Triplet on, I don't know how many corners in town. And then we've got Costco and Sam's and, and, and everything else. And to top all that off, pretty much anything you want, you can have delivered via Amazon within 48 hours. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Within 48 hours. You obviously have Prime. All right, so, so within that context, why in the world do I need to ask God for my daily bread? That's the way it feels, Right? Because I have everything that I need. All I need to do is type it in on my keyboard or drive five minutes, and I can have what I need. Here's how Martin Lloyd-Jones responded to that. He said, if God willed it so, we should have no daily bread. He could withhold the sun and its influence. He could stop the rain. He could make the land absolutely barren. So that the farmer with all his modern implements and chemicals could not raise a crop. He could blast the crop if he wanted to. We are absolutely in the hand of God. And the supreme folly of this century is the folly of thinking that because we have acquired a certain amount of knowledge about the laws of God, we are therefore independent of him. We cannot live for a day without him. Nothing would continue were it not sustained and kept going by God. Do you, do you believe that? I mean, I know we like the Sunday school answer. We're in church. We'd all nod our head and say yes. But do you really believe that God could do that? That he could black out the sun or stop the rain or send a famine? That even the good old United States of America would be powerless 
to overcome. Do, do, you, do you have that sense of dependence on God? When we, when we don't pray for our daily bread, it can be because we have so much and we just assume it's always going to be like this. Uh, it may be us assuming that, well, we can just take care of it. If things get bad, we'll figure out something and we'll take care of it. But Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? And look, even if we do have great wealth, if our savings accounts are full, if our 401ks are well funded, we need to thank God for what He has provided for us. Uh, We still need to ask God, even in the midst of that, for our daily bread. Because that wealth can disappear as quickly as a rock star's 15 minutes of fame. It's here one minute, and we don't know what happened. And then it's gone. And we need to pray God's blessing on what we do have. Because if He doesn't bless it, what is it really? Uh, John Calvin Although grain, wine, and everything else be there to overflowing, if they do not have the dew of God's unseen benediction, these all vanish on the spot. Or their enjoyment is taken away. Or the power they have to nourish us is lost. And we starve in the midst of our great supply. That's an interesting phrase, that we would starve in the midst of our great supply if God doesn't bless uh, you can have everything in the world, but if God doesn't bless, it it simply doesn't matter. So, praying daily for our daily bread reminds us God cares about physical things. It reminds us that we are dependent on God for all things. And let me add a fourth thing here. Uh, we pray this because it's often only as we pray that God actually releases His blessings on His people. This is the way God works. Now, yes, God gives, good, gives gifts to believers and unbelievers who don't ask for them, certainly. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Uh, there are many unbelievers who are eating just fine. Thank you very much. But at times, uh, God sends into our lives trials and difficulties. He withholds things to teach us to rely on Him, uh, to turn us away from our self-reliance. First uh, Corinthians, it's printed in your bulletin. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Uh, James chapter 4, you have not because you ask not. Uh, We pray for our blessings, we pray for our daily bread because it's in response to this that God pours out His blessings on His people. Uh, when Susan and I did RUF, we had to raise support and Matt and Ivy have to do this now. And that's not a whole lot of fun. And nobody likes doing that. But it teaches you to pray and it teaches you to rely on God. Uh, some of you have been through difficult financial times. 
Some of you are going through difficult financial times right now. And you've seen and are seeing how God has used that or is using that to teach you to rely on Him. As hard as it is, and as many sleepless nights as it involves, there's this learning to depend on your Father as you go through those things. Um, Maybe it's you right now. That, that you really feel like you're in need, maybe it's financial, maybe it's something else, but you're really in need right now, can I encourage you to spend half as much time praying to God as you spend praying to Google? Do you, you know what I mean by praying to Google? Like, like, we all do this now. Like, I don't know what people did before the internet with their worries. You can just sit and type forever and ever and ever and ever. And if I phrase my search, my prayer, in the right way, then Google is going to bring back the answer that I want and I'll be able to do that and everything will be okay. That's where we run now with, with when we, I've got to fix it and so I've got this wealth of information. I'm just going to run there and I'm going to search until I find it. Spend half as much time as you do doing that. Uh, at least half as much. Actually praying to God for your daily bread. For your daily bread. Uh, Jesus, next text on your sheet, Matthew chapter 7. ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened or which one of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Uh, Pray. Ask God for your daily bread. He cares about you. So, all right. What should I expect in all this? We've seen what it means. We've seen some reasons why I should practice asking God for my daily bread. What should my expectations be as I pray this way? On the one hand, you kind of have the the name it and claim it crowd who say, just believe, if you just believe strong enough, God will do whatever you ask Him to do. If if your prayers aren't being answered, then that's your fault. You don't have enough faith. Uh, On the other end of the spectrum, we have sort of the, well, you just need to trust God's will crowd. Uh, and, And you tend not to pray. And you don't really wrestle with God in prayer because God's going to do what God's going to do anyway, so why in the world should I waste my time praying? So, so how do we think through that? What should we expect? Is every prayer going to be answered if we just have enough faith or should we just resign ourselves to God's will and not worry about it? Well, on the one, one hand, we are to entrust ourselves to the plan and to the wisdom of our Heavenly Father. Uh, we are to believe that he really does know what is best and want what is best uh, for us. When, when my kids were younger, they would have thought it was very reasonable to ask me if they could watch the Wiggles or whatever was on Disney Channel 24 hours a day and eat only the marshmallows from the Lucky Charms. We would have boxes of just all the marshmallows gone. Um, to eat only the marshmallows, to go to TCBY every night, and to never clean their room. Like, those would have seemed like reasonable requests to them. And I, as their father, had a different perspective. And either, those really aren't reasonable requests. And they have to trust that. We make requests of God that seem very reasonable to us in our eyes. But God has a different 
vantage point from us. And He's able to tell what is good, not simply for us, but good for the church as a whole. Good for His people as a whole. And so there is this sense in which we do have to submit to His will. Thy will be done. We have to trust that as the judge of all the earth, that He's going to do the right thing, even when, when we really don't understand it at all. But the problem is, is that for some of us, what should be this underlying trust in God turns into sort of this passive fatalism where we never really cry out to God and we never really ask God to change anything. Uh, We become like the boy who said, God, you already know everything, so I don't need to ask you to take care of it. Amen. Uh, And and that's not faith. That's, That's fatalism. Uh, As we've seen, as we've worked through the Lord's Prayer, God really does answer prayer. He really uses the prayers of His people to to alter the course of history, as it were. Uh, Our prayers matter. James chapter 5, the next verse in your bulletin. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Why? That you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore fruit. He didn't just say, well, God, you're going to do what you're going to do. He prayed fervently, and God honored those prayers. Psalm 37.4, the next page. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. John 15.7, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Those are, last couple especially, those are interesting verses and sometimes we're tempted to take those out of context and think, well, if I just say the magic words, if I just say Jesus' name, then, then this should come true, right? But as you read Scripture, you see that in context that our prayers are often only answered after much wrestling and much struggling and much asking. There's a conditional nature uh, to these extravagant promises about prayer. I will answer you, but it's not going to happen overnight. And you're going to have to wrestle with me about this. Uh, Notice as well, there's another condition in John chapter 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As as we remain in Christ, we're shaped by the scriptures. Our desires become more like Christ's desires. And our prayers move more into harmony with the actual prayers of Jesus. And more and more we begin to see those prayers answered. Uh, delight yourself in the Lord, the psalmist says. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, we're changed. And our desires are changed. And our prayers are changed. And we see God grant those prayers. Uh, but it all flows out of this increasing knowledge of God in our lives. I had a friend who, who tells a story of his mom and dad. His mom hated to go into, and this is probably 20, 30 years ago, she hated to go into restaurants with televisions because they were so loud and you couldn't have a conversation with the people around you. And so she just hated that. And the dad knew this. And so he bought her 
a universal remote control. I don't know how well this actually worked. It probably did some back then. He bought her a universal remote control so that she could kind of pull it out of her purse in the restaurant and turn the volume down on the television if it got too loud. Now, why in the world did he think to buy that gift? Because he knew her. He knew what her desire was. The more we know our spouses, the more we know what they want. We know what to give them. Uh, The better we know God, the more we know what He wants. And we know how to pray in accordance with what God wants and what God's heart is for the world. Um, Doug Kelly said this, God is working throughout our whole life to make us like His Son. He lets us be hurt and breaks us down. The heavenly sculptor chips away at our personalities and our lives. All the while, we keep praying. Then he builds us up and encourages us, and his word takes deeper root in us. At last, from the deepest part of our being, we want what the Son wants. Along the way, our prayers are transformed too. The condition of our abiding in Jesus is met, and our prayers are answered, for the Father always hears his Son. Um, the two things I can guarantee will happen as, as we pray for our daily bread, we will receive good gifts from our Father. Maybe, maybe we won't have any difficulties, but we will receive good gifts from our Father. And we will also be changed. One of the good gifts we will get is that we'll be changed by our Father into the likeness of His Son as we pray. Let me close with this. Um, I want to get, just read a little snippet from Tim Keller's book on prayer kind of as a practical help for you and a little exhortation as we close this. He said that there were four changes in his devotional life that he made after he was treated for thyroid cancer to really, that really helped his prayer life. And that's really where his book on prayer flowed out of, that experience. He said, four things he did. He said he took several months to work through the Psalms. And he would actually summarize the Psalm so that he knew those psalms better, and then he began to, to pray through those regularly. To just take a psalm every day and use that psalm, which he's now summarized and understand, and use that to guide your prayers to God. He said he then put in a time of meditation between his Bible reading and prayer. And you know how, we've talked about this before, how easily those are divorced. They seem like they're kind of operating on two different planets. But a time of meditation to think through what the Scripture said in order to focus me on how to pray. And the third thing he did, he said he did everything he could to pray every morning and evening. If, he did, if at all he could. Not just in the morning, but to pray every morning and every evening. And then he said he began praying with greater expectation. That God was actually going to do something. That God was actually going to give good gifts as he prayed. And let me, let me read what he got out of this experience. He said, The changes took some time to bear fruit. But after sustaining these practices for about two years, I began to have some breakthroughs. Now, now don't quit listening right there, because that two-year thing, some of you just went, oh. But but these spiritual disciplines take time to take root uh, in our lives. And and we're such an instant-fix culture, yet we have to give ourselves to these things. I began to have some breakthroughs. Despite ups and downs since then, I have found new sweetness in Christ and new bitterness too. Because I could now see my heart more clearly in the new light of vital prayer. In other words, there were more restful experiences of love as well as more wrestling to see God triumph over evil, both in my own heart and in the world. 
These two experiences of prayer we discussed in the introduction grew together like twin trees. I now believe that is how it should be. One stimulates the other. The result was a spiritual liveliness and strength that this Christian minister, for all my preaching, had not had before. The rest of the book is a recounting of what I learned. In other words, he's like, I've been a preacher for all this time, but it was really digging down and praying and meditating and praying through the Psalms specifically that brought new spiritual liveliness to him. And he says this, Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our loves. That we're actually, and that's fascinating to think about, we're actually sanctified by praying. That's part of our sanctification. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Good gifts. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. We must learn to pray. We have to. We have to. Think about that and let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to pray. Help us to put into practice some of these things we've just mentioned. Uh, Help us to pray for our daily bread, even when it feels like we don't need to pray for our daily bread because it's all around us. Uh, But help us to practice that and to remember uh, our dependence on you, uh, to cry out to you. Help us, Father, when we are in need, not to try to find the solution on our own, but to come and to cry out to you, uh, trusting that you will provide us Uh, with all good things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.